another episode of Sleep Paralysis News. This is our safe space where we get to speak about sleep paralysis openly, non-judgmentally within an audience which understands and, and shares exactly what we're talking about. I'm looking forward to today's episode. So I'm here with our guest and with Cyrus, our co-host here where we're going to go straight into hearing Stella's experience with sleep paralysis that I must admit I'm looking forward to hearing all about. So Stella, I'm going to hand over to you for you to tell us all about your sleep paralysis experiences. Okay, um, well, uh, I, I probably had um, some strange types of experiences as a child, which I expect a lot of people do. Uh, we hear a lot about children having this sort of thing uh, when they're sort of half awake uh, between sleep and waking up or before they're going to sleep. And I had a lot of that as a young child. So those experiences are very typical of what I've heard of other people, sort of feeling that I'm falling, feeling that people are calling my name, um, uh, differences in altered perception. Uh, in, in my case, I used to, my eyes seemed to zoom in and out as if I was looking through a telescope and then through a microscope. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I, have, I haven't really heard anybody else say that sort of thing, but you know, it's all the sort of thing that happens when you're on the verge of sleep and waking. Um, but my sleep paralysis experience happened this year. And this is why I was interested in talking to you about it because there were two experiences about two weeks apart and in both cases they were after taking sleep medication and I'm going to read out to you the names of the sleep medication because it might be interesting for your audience so uh, I'm, I'm based I'm in the UK so this might come under another name in America but the sleep medication is called Zopiclone okay Zopiclone. Um, that's that's one that is was prescribed by my doctor okay uh, and another, and the other one was a herbal sleep medication, which I just got from a like a local health shop, and it was just called Quiet Mind, um, and it contains lots of like natural herbal things to do with sleeping. You know, nothing, nothing unusual, the sort of thing you'd see in any natural remedy. Do you have um, the one there, Stella? Could yeah, I, I'll just read bottle? off some of the. Yeah, For I'll just read off some one. It would be interesting to see that. Um, this is the herbal one. This is the okay. this is, um, that's the box that comes in, and I'll read you out some of the ingredients. Um, apart from zinc and iodine and magnesium, it's got ash, ashwagandha root, Montmorency cherry fruit powder, amla berry fruit, piperine black pepper extract, rhodiola roses root extract and Brahmi herb. So all those things are supposed to be good for sleeping. So that was one medication. And as I said, the other one was the, doc the one the doctor prescribed. And the reason I had them was because I was going through a very, very bad period of insomnia, which lasted three or four months. It was very, very bad. It was like um couldn't get to sleep at all. And then maybe about three in the morning, I might finally get about two hours, you know. So it was a really bad period of insomnia. Um, the doctor and the chemist thought it had been brought on by stress because I've had two years of weight loss where I've been uh, losing weight seriously um, so that I can maintain a healthy weight. 
And they thought it might be that, that I'd been through such a long period of sustained weight loss um, that that might stress me out a lot and that might have caused the insomnia. So that was the only explanation they had. So, um, yeah, I tried these two different medications. And the first one, the uh, herbal one, is the one I tried first. And it it worked straight away the first time, the very first night I tried it. And in the morning, as I was just about to wake up, I had what I... It's like, you know, when you have a kind of lucid... Um, dream where you know you're dreaming or you know you know you're trying to wake up so you know it's a kind of nightmare and you're struggling to wake up but I felt that I was wide awake so it was very much um very much like what other people have described um I felt that um there was nobody in the room with me by the way and I was sleeping up against a wall so there was no possibility of any other person in the room and uh, yeah, I felt um, the physical pre presence of another human being in the bed beside me on the side that the wall was. So that was impossible, obviously, physically impossible. But uh, a heavy presence, a pressure of somebody's body as if they were sleeping behind me, beside me on the bed. I heard their breathing, very harsh breathing. And it, it was pretty frightening, to be honest. It was frightening. It was like... Um, like the kind of nightmares I had when I was a child, actually, you know, where you want to run away and you can't, you know. Um, uh, I wouldn't say I had a lot of pressure on my chest breathing or anything like that. I couldn't move and I was struggling to get away from this presence. When I'd eventually woken up from it, it took me quite a few minutes to recover because I thought it was so real. And because... A few years ago, I escaped from domestic violence. My mind had instantly gone to that person because to me it had sounded like his breathing and that he had trapped me. You know, I was trapped in the domestic violence situation at the time. Um, so your mind immediately leaps to a paranormal explanation. Let's face it, everybody's mind does, right? Um, so I, I got over that and I thought, well, it must have been some horrible bad dream that I was struggling to wake up from. So I put those <laughs> herbal medication to one side and I went to the doctor, explained to the doctor about all the insomnia. She was very sympathetic. She gave me this um, Zopiclone, um, which you only take one, one little pill the night when you're going to go to sleep. She advised not take it too regularly don't get addicted to it you know she was really good and I didn't in fact I, I had 28 pills and here's the box I'll, I'll put it in front of the camera um if I can where's the camera here we are uh, it's, it might be reversed but it says Zopiclone yeah I see it yeah so 28 pills and I've still got loads of them left so I, 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 I agreed with her that all it was was like an emergency um, solution to the insomnia was just to have one or two of these so that very night I took one of these and the same thing happened the next morning I had a very very similar hallucination although this time it was worse because this time I felt somebody's heavy arm across me like that 
as if they were holding me down in the bed. And again, I heard the harsh breathing. So it was very, very similar to the, the one only a couple of days before. Um, and I think because it was the second time I'd had it, I was fighting against it and saying, this isn't real. I know this isn't real. Go away, you know? Get out, get out of my, get out of my life, you know? And I, and I knew that I thought that it was my ex-abuser, who is dead, by the way. He died um, about a year, a year and a half ago, right? So I knew this was all impossible in, in, in my sane part of my mind, you know? But when you're in an experience like that, you are not thinking straight, really. You, and, you, and you automatically pin it on what it seems to be like, right? And I could literally see a heavy man's arm holding me across my chest like that as if they were lying behind me and pinning me down, right? Very, very weird. Very vivid. Very weird. The noise of the breathing and everything. Um, and that really frightened me from using these pills again. <laughs> it frightened me from using them again. But um, what I found was that when I took another one, the, the following evening, it didn't happen. It only happened the very first day I took both of these medications. It hasn't happened since. And uh, the doctor was quite right that by being very careful with this medication, it was able to kind of kickstart me back into sleeping a more normal sleep pattern again. So I haven't needed to um, have anything like this since then. And I and I I use other methods now if I'm finding difficult in sleeping. I chamomile tea, this sort of thing. Not having coffee after midday, all the normal things to help you sleep. You know. So um, the interesting thing about the Zopiclone is that I spoke to somebody who's had it in the past, prescribed to them uh, because they had mental health problems, and that gave them difficulty sleeping. And they said, yeah, that gave them hallucinations as well. Now, I know that's only anecdotal. I know it's only me and this other friend that I have. But I found that extremely interesting because everything I've ever read and heard about sleep paralysis is all very similar. It's all about a presence in the room with you, or something pressurizing you, stopping you moving, holding you down in the bed. Um, and some people have visions like, you know, Maybe they call it a little demon or something, you know? And this goes back way into history, as I'm sure you two guys know. There's loads of stuff about sleep paralysis, hallucinations, and there's loads of stuff on the internet about modern explanations for it as well. But I just thought I'd like to come on and, and say the point about a lot of children having these experiences, people thinking back when they're adults to when they were children and thinking, oh, yes. I had that sort of thing. I saw a strange presence standing in the corner of my room and I couldn't move and I was terrified. You know, a lot of children have that. Now, in Britain, and I don't know about America, but in Britain, there's a very popular children's sleep medication called Calpol. And this has been popular with parents for, what, 30-odd years. It goes back a long way, Calpol. It's a mild sedative. Loads of parents give their children this to help them sleep. Now. My experiences with the sleep medication, I'm just wondering, I'm seriously wondering how much of this, especially with children, because that's where we hear the most about this kind of experience, is down to using substance to help you get to sleep, some substance or other. 
So although my experience was very frightening, I'm quite confident it isn't going to happen again because I, to me, it was the result of taking these medications. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to pour cold water on everybody else's experience that has taught you, and I, I fully understand why people jump to the paranormal because I immediately thought it was my abuser who I knew to be dead. Yeah, and okay. I hear that. I hear that in common with many sleep process experiences, experiencers. And I think what it comes down to is like your subconscious mind knows your biggest fear. Mm-hmm. And so when sleep paralysis happens, it taps into your biggest fear. So someone's biggest fear might be spiders. Someone's mm-hmm. biggest fear might be demons, ghosts, mm-hmm. aliens. Mm-hmm. Your deepest fear seem to be um, a domestic partner that was mistreating you. And so your subconscious knew that. So, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What should I be afraid of? I, I don't know how to make sense of it. It must be something that I felt fear from before. You know, so everyone's experience is different. And that's why that's interesting. So yeah, you, you're actually a very um, interesting experiencer because you're you're telling us something that is not like a ghost or an alien or a demon. And you're adding medication in there as well. I used to be on Ambien uh, when I was in college. Boy, oh boy, that's a hallucinogen. I'll tell you. So these drugs are messing with our chemical makeup as we sleep. So I'm glad you shared that with us. I would like to say to us, I would like to say to both of you that I've had other so-called paranormal experiences which weren't the result of medication of any kind because I don't smoke, I don't take weed or anything like that. Um, But I've, um, I've had a UFO experience and I've, I've been on a podcast called The UFO Chronicles, which is in Britain, a British podcast. Um, and that wasn't to do with any uh, medication or anything. So I'm not, I'm not pouring cold water on people's experiences. There are lots of stuff happening to people. Uh, and there could be loads of different explanations for some of it, you know. Um, but there are, there's a lot yeah. of researchers in Britain who are starting to tie all this together and saying, well, maybe it's all part of the same phenomena. You know? Yeah, and I think that's what I was going to say. I wouldn't kind of gloss over the UFO experience and the sleep paralysis experience. I mean, I I see a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between the two and sleep paralysis experiences are talking to me that they've seen UFOs, that they've engaged with the entities. They see the signs in the in the sky and they are communicating actively with extra terrestrials um so the sleep it's almost as though the sleep paralysis state doesn't just affect you when you're sleeping it's almost as though there's something unique about you which means that whilst you're awake you can equally tap in to other types of phenomena that is going on whether it be extraterrestrial related or whether it's some other kind of psychic thing where you see things or know things or hear things there's something else going on as well but I always when when people speak to me about the hallucinatory kind of aspect of sleep paralysis I always say why is it that it's the same images that we see why are we all how do you um get around that how does how does the mind manage to see or imagine the same things for people across the world you know yeah, you, are we tapping oh. into something are we tapping into something really 
and I'm open to the possibility, you know, that yes, we are, especially with the way how the experience feels so real. It's as real as I'm talking to you now, the sleep paralysis experience. And the memory of that just doesn't fade. It just it, it just stays with you throughout your life, you know. Well I'm 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 really retired now and I've I've actually found it very interesting to, to start exploring all this. To look back at what I had when I was a child and and the, the strange things that I've experienced as I've been a bit older. And I um it's almost like we have a common language all over the world and the common language instead of being a, a, a vocal language, is a language of images. And people are seeing the same kind of images. And then depending on what culture they grew up in, give it different names, you know? And that... Very interesting. Um, it could really be that there is something that this is... I've started to think that this is an evolutionary thing, that there is an actual reason why it happens. Well, first of all, I've always thought that nightmares have an evolutionary reason because a nightmare has the function of waking you up. Okay, because you're always, it's always the last thing you remember when you're in the deep sleep. It, you, you're abruptly woken out of it by the nightmare. And the nightmare could have been triggered by a noise outside. So this could be an evolutionary thing to, to wake you up from danger, right? So I, I've always thought that about nightmares. But with the sleep paralysis, you've got the added thing that it's making you freeze in one place. Now that again could be evolutionary so that you don't make a noise and attract the predator in. Do you see what I mean? So this could there could be a reason why we have these things. Well, yeah, we do. Along with that, sorry, go on. Your dream. Well, along with acting out your dreams, because mm. if you aren't paralyzed when you're in that dream state, that seems so vivid that you will be a sleepwalker and you will fall off the edge of your bed and jolt yourself awake. So I think mm. that that sleep paralysis is a way for us to restore our minds in the deepest state of you know rem or whatever stage of sleep that is deepest for us to renew our minds and so we probably wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't um go through sleep paralysis we would we wouldn't get that deep of sleep we would stay in that stage one stage two of sleep and never really feel fully rested when we woke up so i see sleep paralysis as a way to make sure that our minds are restoring itself and then sometimes we have a phenomenon when hey, your spirit is detached from your body and your body's trying to wake up and your spirit's not connected yet what's going on that's the mystery of it all well yeah and i, I mean I, like a lot of other people i've had a variety of experiences uh, and again a lot of it was when i was young things like seeing myself outside my body and stuff like that um and maybe it's all part of the same ability that we all have. Um, so like you've just said, Sirius, it could be like uh, to help us in some way, you know, to, or to keep us safe from danger. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that so many people would have this ability or have this um, tapping into this if it wasn't of any use, you know, if it was, didn't have any evolutionary use because... If this made you vulnerable, well, you'd, we'd all be, we wouldn't have survived. Those of us who have these experiences wouldn't have survived, right? So there has to be a use for it. Now, as I'm an artist, I, I feel that it's very much tied to creativity, human creativity. Um, because uh, when you, if you can put yourself back before 
um, the internet, which is hard, I know, but put mm. yourself back before the internet when movies were just movies and people had to make the effort to go out to the cinema to see them. Uh, but even back before that, um, when you read a book by a really good writer, and I'm going to pick The Lord of the Rings because everybody knows that book, um, why is it that everybody sees the same images that Tolkien was literally writing about? And I'm going way back before The Lord of the Rings films. Um, it it, for years and years, a, a bookshop called Waterstones used to do a, a, an opinion poll of the best, the most fav- everybody's favourite book in England. Lord of the Rings was always number one. And all the literary people looked down their noses at this because they thought, oh, this is just like lower class. You know, it hasn't really got that much literary merit. And it's just, do you know what I mean? Because it was a big popular book. But the thing is, you could talk to somebody casually about it and they they were seeing in their mind the exact same images that Tolkien was talking about that you saw in your mind. Now, you could just say that's because he was just such a good writer, but I don't really think that's true. I think there's something, because I illustrate, I illustrate books for writers. That's what, one of the things I do. Is, uh, one of the, and there's a, there's a real connection that is going on between you and the writer. You're not, you know, they're not just hiring you to do a job. There's a real connection going on where they are putting into your mind the image of what what they want to see, and and then they want you to draw it. Do you see what I mean? And and I think a lot of the imagery and the hallucinations are to do with human creativity. I think we are, and and it's important that we we investigate it and find out more about it and how it all works. Yeah, so that's a mean, great like, point. Um, some kind of mass consciousness that we're on some plane we're all thinking the same thought and that's creating this image is that what you're you're thinking well i suppose uh, it, an old word for it was telepathy i suppose um you know that it's possible to to put the images of what you're you're thinking about into somebody else's head and i think that's what creative people do I think that's what they actually do. I think that's why things like movies and books are so much part of our world. And this goes right the way back to cave paintings, you know. I mean, we obviously got something out of this. You know, creativity isn't just a waste of time. It's something we do to bring enjoyment to everybody and to ourselves and to our people around us. And could it all be part of the same abilities of our brain that produce these hallucinations that's just what i'm saying that's you know that's just my thoughts so where do you think it comes from where do you think it comes from well i i think we're never ever going to get to the root of how what the human brain is all about i don't think neuroscientists have got a handle on it they won't have a handle on it for hundreds of years all the stuff they say about now about ai is all it's all it's all um, nonsense, actually. It's all um, I'm, now. I know people. Your audience are going to say, "What is she going on about?" But here in Britain, we've got quite a quite an anti-transhumanist movement going on, <laughs> and uh, I, I've talked quite often to a lady who is a professor of AI and robotics. So I'm, I'm not talking at just in out of the blue here. Um, there's a lot of a lot of it is hype. A lot of the stuff around AI is hype, you know. Um, and I, I prefer to use the word automata when I hear people talking about AI and robots because I really don't think them, apart from the fact that we're using modern materials like plastic and uh, 
you know, graphene and stuff, we're not really much further along from the automata of the Victorian era as much as they would like to fool us that we are, you know. Uh, and as for artificial intelligence, we don't even know what our own intelligence is all about yet. So how can we possibly say that we're going to imitate it? We don't even know what our intelligence is about. I think that um, one thing, though, that I'd like to hear about before we end is your extraterrestrial experience, because you mentioned that. Would you like to talk us through that? Um, well, like your audience, um, they can Google the UFO Chronicles podcast, and it was uh, edition number 240 on that podcast. So it is all on there, um, but it was a yeah, it was it was in the daytime. It was during the day on a Sunday afternoon in my own city, um, up in a local a big park, which is about three square miles, which is quite well known in Bristol, called the Clifton Downs near the Clifton Suspension Bridge. And uh, I had this experience of seeing a, an unidentified object in the sky, which I. And I, I felt throughout the uh, experience I was in a kind of hallucinatory state, a sort of trance, and that, I believe, was caused because I was coming back from a walk of about three miles over the downs and back, so I was under low-level stress, you know, and I think, I think walking is a rhythmic thing that can put you into a bit of a trance. Um, and I saw this thing in the sky, which, first of all, I thought, I thought it was a big bird, but we don't have big birds as big as that in, in our country, you know. And um, I didn't know what it was. I, I fixated on it. And as I walked across on my route home, the thing kept pace with me in the sky, kind of followed me along. Um, and I, I felt terribly embarrassed because I was the only person staring up at this thing and not a single other person. And there was loads of people about. Nobody was looking up at it, you know. Everybody was walking along, looking at their phones or you know, um, doing all the things they've been doing, you know, cars driving along, and there was nobody. I was the only person looking up at this thing. And and I uh, I decided to go off uh, the path onto a bit of grass where I'd be more away from other people because I felt pretty stupid, actually, staring up at it. And I w it seemed to then be almost right above me, and I made the estimate that it was about the size of a a, a, a small bus, like a mini minibus. Um, and I reckoned it was about 100, 150 feet up. It was higher than a nearby office block, which was about four stories high. Uh, and it was seemed at that point to be right above me. It was roughly in the shape of, um, I a lot of people would say a kind of saucer shape, but to me it was more like a bird with its wings outstretched, like a wooden bird that you see on top of a totem pole, um, but without a head, so with just the wings really uh, out, really outstretched um i was right underneath it at that point and then a really the really bizarre part about this was that um i i saw a, a couple of tiny little <laughs> like little blinky led lights coming down from it on a couple of um wires which uh, that was the point that snapped me out of it to be honest i thought no this is a bit more than just i didn't know what was going on um nobody around me seemed to notice it and that kind of snapped me out of it because it was it was too weird so i uh i start i carried 